It's 10 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Glad to have you with me today. We got a ton of news to get out of the way, and we need to begin with General Kelly and what White House sources and folks close to those inside the White House have been telling me. And I need to clarify the situation. This all goes back to the Rob Porter situation. Rob Porter being uh, the guy, he was Orrin Hatch's chief of staff for three years, and then he moved to the White House at the start of this administration to be the staff secretary, the guy who essentially manages the flow of business for the chief of staff and the president, serving as a right-hand man for the president of the United States. Can I ask first, I don't think the media has dwelt enough on this. Um, how is it that Rob Porter, having abused two wives, leaving one of them at least with a black eye, how was he able to serve for three years as chief of staff to Orrin Hatch after this happened and, and nothing was made of it? There seems to be something there. Now, I, there are some people, I've gotten some emails from folks saying, well, this is clear he's being set up if that's the case. No, I think given what we know of the Senate, uh, they probably turned a blind eye. Listen, you can you can deny a lot, but you cannot deny a picture of his ex-wife with the black eye as she comes forward and says this is proof. Uh, you may ultimately investigate and conclude otherwise, but it, it got a hard time here. But the the interesting thing is John Kelly, General John Kelly, who released a statement about Rob Porter saying he stood by the guy, he was a man of integrity. These were just allegations. Now, according to General Kelly, within 40 minutes of finding out that it was more than allegations, Rob Porter was fired. In fact, according to General Kelly, within 40 minutes of seeing the picture of Rob Porter's ex-wife with a black eye, he was fired. But it's not disputed that the FBI first raised this issue back last November. General Kelly was not told last November. Others in the White House, including Don McGahn, it appears, the White House legal counsel, were told and General Kelly's only just now finding out. I have talked now to several people inside the White House, uh, most of whom, not all of whom, uh, most of whom, I think, uh, that one, that one, that, okay, three of them were there from day one. Of those three, yeah, all of them, I would say, were on the campaign. One of them came within a month of being there on day one. So essentially you got four people who have been there almost the entire time. And then I talked to a couple of people on the outside of the white house and they are all convinced that general Kelly is being framed or set up in some way. They are very, very upset about it. They were upset with me on Friday for suggesting maybe it's time for general Kelly to go. If so, there are others who need to go with him. Uh, and, and they really want to defend General Kelly. Let me tell you what these folks are saying. Um, you, you know, this was relevant. So I was on Meet the Press yesterday, flew up uh, Saturday night after Little League uh, and flew back yesterday afternoon, sat around. It was Peggy Noonan, um, Eddie. I can't remember Eddie's last name. He's at Princeton. Uh, Kristen or Crystal Stewart, uh, myself, uh, Chuck Todd. It, it was a good time. And, you know, we were, we're sitting around. It was the White House correspondent for NBC News. 
myself, Peggy Noonan, all of us have heard this sort of stuff. It's been very difficult to nail down. It's rumors after I left Meet the Press yesterday and was headed home, uh, when I landed in Atlanta, I had a series of voicemails from people who do work in the White House, who I had already talked to a couple and had more who wanted to reach out and give their side of the story. And we couldn't go into all of the details on the show um, the White House reporter didn't want to because it, she thought it amounted to rumor and speculation. Uh, it did not amount to anyone providing her anything of substance, but we had all heard the conversations happening. And I, I will relate to you the conversations uh, that I have had with people who are, are directly immediately inside the White House working on a daily basis with the president and a couple of people who are on the outside of the White House, but on a daily basis are helping the White House shape policy. All of these people, all with the exception of one or two, are adamant that General Kelly is being set up. All of them are worried about Jared Kushner and, Ivanka's Trump, and Ivanka Trump's influence. And those who believe General Kelly is being set up, which is the, pretty much all but one or two, they are insistent that it is Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump setting up uh, General John Kelly. You must remember that when General Kelly became chief of staff, his day one actions were to end Omarosa Menengalt's influence in the White House and to restrict Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump from having access to the Oval Office. Knowing he can't restrict them to the White House residence because Ivanka Trump is the daughter of the president, he could at least restrict their influence in the West Wing and has done his best to curtail their influence, believing it to be a negative influence. And over the last month, there have been a series of stories critical of John Kelly on immigration and whatnot. And the underlying message is that Ivanka Trump is seeding the ground of her father's mind with doubts about John Kelly. She wants John Kelly gone because she wants more influence. John Kelly is perceived as slowing her down. He's perceived as marginalizing Jared Kushner. And I think based on the people I've talked to, that's all right. He has done these things. And so there are people who believe that Ivanka and Jared, who are very close with Hope Hicks, probably with hell, and again, I'm just relaying information from people who believe this, people who work in the White House. They believe that uh, Jared and Ivanka withheld information from John Kelly, potentially that Hope Hicks did as well. That when John Kelly found out the information, Hope Hicks, who was dating Rob Porter, um, tried to minimize things, uh, painting a false picture for John Kelly. And now that everything is out there, they're using all of the, what they withheld from John Kelly to push John Kelly out the door. That he's uninformed, he's caused the PR crisis for the White House. This is the second major event where people have claimed John Kelly is creating a PR nightmare for the White House, which is the thing that President Trump does not want. He does not want PR nightmares. And in fact, some people are saying John Kelly probably would have been gone already, but for the PR nightmare it will cause. Let me give you direct quotes. These are direct quotes from people within the White House. One told me Ivanka will use any headline she can to manipulate her dad into ousting General Kelly. He's, he has limited both Jared and Ivanka's abilities to navigate the White House, but they're family, so he cannot shut them out entirely, and they are taking advantage of that right now. We are rooting for Jared to get indicted just so they will go away, says one to me. Now, I'm going to use a word many of you do not like, and many of you send me angry emails if this word comes up on this show. 
but I have to use the word because it is a direct quote. It is not a, an expletive banned by the FCC, so I'm going to use it so that you can get this quote in its entire context from a source. Again, this is a White House insider. This is a direct quote. We are every day at the mercy of what the president sees on TV and what his friends tell him overnight. Without General Kelly, we'll be at the mercy of Jared and Ivanka and an army of backstabbing retards who think they are Rhodes Scholars too. I know you don't like the retard word, but that's how somebody phrased it to me. Um, we had this discussion on Meet the Press yesterday. Chuck Todd kind of laughing at uh, Peggy Noonan and me, uh, saying, look at the chaos. There's chaos every day in the White House. Well, there is. Uh, the president is a chaos president. He feeds on chaos. He thinks he uses chaos to his own advantage. He thinks in part he won because of the chaotic atmosphere of the election. Um, the president is the eye of the storm of chaos. You can't get rid of the chaos without getting rid of the president, and that's not going to happen for three years. But what General Kelly does is while the president may be chaotic, General Kelly has gotten the chaos out of the White House policy development process. And because he has largely gotten the chaos out of that, the White House behind the scenes is largely functional, even though publicly it doesn't look that way because of the president and message shift because of the president. And all of these people I've talked to tell me that if General Kelly is gone, you will see a vacuum and the vacuum will be filled by even more chaos. You may think it's bad now, but you ain't seen nothing yet. If General Kelly is gone, and again, all coming from people who work on a daily basis with the president in the White House. Y'all, for the past two months, I have been using a new electric toothbrush that I was really just about to order one of these. I saw it on Instagram. Then they reached out and asked if they could be a podcast sponsor for the show, and I said yes. And the reason I wanted one is because the regular electric toothbrush I had been using, the head is so big, I've been using the Invisalign braces, and it's really awkward to get this toothbrush in my mouth. It's one of the store-bought ones. You know the brand. And it's just not comfortable. I used it for a couple of weeks and just stopped using it, went back to a regular old toothbrush. So when I saw Quip, I decided I'd give it a try. Uh, the cool thing about Quip, it's an electric toothbrush, but there's no charger. You don't have to worry about putting it on a charger every day. It's designed conveniently so you can use batteries. It's backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. And you know, one of the cool things is that you've got a subscription plan with Quip. They refresh your brush on a dentist recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just $5 including free shipping worldwide. Cool thing. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, remember, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. I have really enjoyed using this as a toothbrush. It has a timer every 30 seconds. It pulses so you know when you get to the two-minute mark. It turns off at two minutes, so you get the two-minute recommended brushing that your dentist says, and you can time it based on those pulses to get the top, the bottom, the front, the back. I've really enjoyed using an electric toothbrush for the first time ever. Go to getquip.com slash Eric today. Get yours for $25. It is 26 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, we have the Clay Tippins interview set up. 
ready to go. Um, the people who have been participating before in things uh, here at WSB uh, got advance notice, uh, but there are still spots available. Um, in fact, there's, the majority of spots are still available. If you would like to come see Clay Tippins uh, in a live lounge interview, Clay Tippins running for governor of Georgia as a Republican, the former Navy SEAL, uh, I will be interviewing him on Tuesday night, not this Tuesday, a week from tomorrow night at 7 p.m. and the Live Lounge. You can RSVP for that event. You must have a ticket. You can do so by texting uh, the word or the letters WSB to 345-345. Text WSB to 345-345, and I will send you back a link uh, so that you can register for the Clay Tippins event. Um, should be a good time, a good interview, fascinating candidacy there. A guy running, adopting the David Purdue playbook, um, running as the outsider. Also, you should know an update on a piece of legislation you guys have been helping push, and that is West Cantrell's uh, school choice legislation. It would establish educational scholarship accounts, uh, really helping bring Georgia into the forefront of school choice across the nation. It has made it out of a subcommittee hearing. It will go to the full education committee in the House on Thursday. It is a great piece of legislation that advances school choice and parental freedom to educate their children in this state. Uh, I hope you will support the legislation. If you would like to add your voice to it so that your state representative becomes aware of the legislation and it does already has a lot of bipartisan support this legislation, text the word HOPE to 52886. Text the word HOPE to 52886 to support West Cantrell school choice legislation. When we come back, North Korea, the media's infatuation with North Korea has been on display all weekend. Their willingness to use North Korea to attack the president, it is disgusting. After the hour, Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750, WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We'll get into President Obama's portrait here in a little bit. We will. I, You know, I, I, I give the artist there a, a, a pass on, on making President Obama be in the weeds. Um, but it's Michelle Obama who looks nothing like herself, um, but we'll get there. First, we need to talk about North Korea. We really do. There are people, and I, I hope if you're one of them, you're listening very carefully here. There are people in this audience, because they've come up to me and talked to me about this. There are people in this audience who find it very hard to believe the Russians could meddle in American elections. Beyond the tribalism of I can't believe this because it could undermine the president. I'm not even I'm not in the uh, camp that believes the Russians stole the election for the president. I don't believe it. There is no evidence for it, even though it is a it is a article of faith among Democrats. There's no evidence for it. There's a lot of evidence though that the Russians wanted to undermine our faith in our democracy. 
by subverting our democracy, by dabbling in our politics, by causing us to distrust the system. And there are a lot of Americans who won't believe that. For those of you who don't believe the Russians could undermine American democracy and and sow the seeds of dissent, look how easy it has been for the North Koreans to get the American media to embrace North Korean propaganda as fact. Because that's what's going on here. The moment Kim Jong-un's sister made a side-eyed glance at Mike Pence, she became a hero of La Resistance. And the media is part of La Resistance. The, The media wants to be opposed to the president and vice president. And so they will willfully, knowingly, gladly embrace North Korean propaganda in order to make the president of the United States look bad. You have the Washington Post, for God's sakes, calling uh, this this woman from North Korea the Ivanka Trump of North Korea. Where is the blood on Ivanka Trump's hands? Because I can show you the blood on the hands of this woman. You have CNN saying how, how awesome she was. You've got Reuters saying that North Korea won the diplomatic gold medal. I mean, it, it took BuzzFeed of all things, BuzzFeed, to come out and say, guys, knock it off. This is a propaganda campaign by a totalitarian state that murders and starves to death its own people. The traditional media could not help themselves because they wanted to slight the president of the United States. And they were gladly willing to use North Korea to do it. Y'all, I I shouldn't be surprised by the media's willingness to do this. but, But I actually am. They wouldn't, of course, have done this if North Korea were doing this during the Obama era. You know, during the Obama era, when we didn't take a hardline policy against North Korea, North Korea during the Obama era, when they could get away with everything, what's going on in North Korea, and I don't think most people understand, and I guess that most people um, don't understand it who are covering it in the media, is North Korea is broke. The sanctions imposed by Donald Trump have worked. North Korea has to do diplomatic outreach now because North Korea doesn't have any money. North Korea has been saber-rattling and threatening to do all sorts of things. North Korea has been threatening uh, to drop nuclear bombs on North America, among other things, because every time North Korea has done this in the past, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama were willing to pay them off and give them money. And they used that money not to feed their people, but to build their nuclear program. Donald Trump has refused to play that game with their saber-rattling. So North Korea is forced to do diplomatic outreach. North Korea is forced to engage South Korea. North Korea is forced to run a propaganda campaign to make itself not look good because of what Donald Trump has done. 
and the media is so hateful toward Donald Trump, they cannot, do not, will not ever recognize that it is actually to his credit that North Korea is having to do this. Had Donald Trump not taken such a hard line on North Korea and frozen them out of all of the diplomatic processes of the planet, North Korea would still be making nuclear weapons instead of going to South Korea and making kissy face for the American media. But the American media which so loathes Donald Trump, will never admit it. Y'all, this letter with unknown white powder sent to Donald Trump Jr., uh, opened by his wife. Um, It is a reminder that there are still insane, angry people on the left who have decided that the only way to engage in politics in this country is to annihilate the other side, Uh, James Hodgkinson being another. And there are people, regrettably, crazy people on the right as well, who believe that of the left. I I can't tell you the number of times... I have encountered people who have decided that the ends justify the means in politics because the other side is evil. There there are certainly, I believe, um, policy positions that are taken that are evil. I think abortion is an evil practice. Um, But I also believe that there are political differences in this country and we make a terrible mistake uh, to equate one side or the other as evil. And and for those of you yelling at me right now, I can hear it happening. Over this, um, do you want to be labeled evil? Because I, I got to tell you, culture is going against us on our side. I mean, just look around, watch TV, and it's a whole lot easier for those people to be able to label label you evil uh, in a culture that is trending against us. Uh, and, and the only way to help slow the tide is to avoid the temptation of labeling that side evil because we disagree with them on politics. We, we may think there are, are public policy positions that amount to an endorsement of, of evil, like abortion. But there are good people who disagree with us and do not recognize it, and screaming at them and telling them they're evil is no more useful to advance our agenda than it is for them to scream at us and yell at us as bigoted because we like Neil Gorsuch or some such. Um, the, the, the screaming evil and screaming bigot at each other gets us nowhere. Uh, and just emboldens the crazy nutters out there to go gun down a bunch of Republican congressmen on one side and and send letters with white powder that make people sick. Uh, Just pathetic. When we come back, President Trump today has unveiled some major new initiatives, including his budget and a transportation initiative to spend so much money. David Ralston, our Speaker of the House, has gone to Washington just to revel in the trillions. People are stupid. We need to remember that. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The the left is outraged at this very moment. Outrage 
is ensuing online. Yes, surprise, the left is outraged. It must be a day ending in Y. The left is outraged because Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States, has referred to our Anglo-American heritage. He was talking about constitutional liberties and habeas corpus. Jeff Sessions was. Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General. Referencing our Anglo-American traditions. And, well... People are outraged on the left. Outraged, I tell you, outraged because he used that phrase, the Anglo-American traditions, because it just sounds racist. One senator, a senator from Hawaii, new guy from Hawaii that I've never heard of, he actually said online, who talks like this? Well, let me let me read you in context so you know. I hope we remember this as we go forward. I sincerely hope we can protect what has been called the Great Writ, a writ that has been in place in the Anglo-American legal system for 700 years. Yeah, who? T- oh, wait, I'm sorry. I was just quoting Barack Hussein Obama. Yes, Barack Hussein Obama also talking about habeas corpus on the floor of the Senate uh, back in 2006. The world is watching what we do today in America. They will know what we do here today, and they will treat all of us accordingly in the future. Our soldiers, our diplomats, our journalists, anybody who travels beyond these borders. I hope we remember this as we go forward. I sincerely hope we can protect what has been called the Great Writ, a writ that has been in place in the Anglo-American legal system for over 700 years. That is Barack Hussein Obama. Jeff Sessions also referring to the Anglo-American legal system. Uh, Common law is part of the Anglo-American legal system. Uh, There's nothing racist about it. There's nothing race-related about it. It is is derived from English common law. Uh, We have the Anglo-Canadian system. We have the Anglo-Australian system. We have the Anglo-American system. It's just a designation. It is a real thing. I'm sorry uh, if you're a liberal who doesn't know your history because liberals have no sense of history, but it's a thing. So deal with it. Now, okay, we got to get into this. Speaking of, it's relevant to this. Infrastructure. The president is unveiling a $1.5 trillion infrastructure plan, but there is a caveat. The caveat is that He actually only wants a $200 billion infrastructure program, and he's hoping for private investment to get it up to $1.5 trillion. Now, what's so interesting here is that Republicans in Congress are already talking that there is going to be no private component to this. This is going to be the federal government with a $1.5 trillion infrastructure package, which probably can't pass. And the reason it probably can't pass is because when Barack Obama proposed a trillion dollar infrastructure program, Republicans cried foul and they unanimously voted against it in 2009 uh, because they said it wasn't paid for. It was too big. It was too expensive. And uh, there was just no way. We'll expect the Republicans to pass this now. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I I have a hard time believing they will really oppose it. 
Um, but it is going to be interesting to see if they can get the structure right. If the president can lure public-private partnership, uh, lure private partnership to tag along with the public to make this happen. I don't know. We will see. Um, maybe he can. The other interesting thing out of this is that there's going to be essentially, I think it's a 4.4, 4.5 trillion dollar budget. Mick Mulvaney has made people in the White House very angry today. Mick Mulvaney is the head of the Office of Management and Budget. He's also the head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Mick Mulvaney has come out and said that he is opposed, if he were in Congress, would be opposed to this budget. He would vote against it if he were in Congress. Had Mick Mulvaney come out and said he would have supported it in Congress, no one would have believed him. So he should be patted on the back today uh, for being honest. It is true. No one should vote for a $4.5 trillion budget. They shouldn't do it. Y'all, we have in Washington a spending problem. We have a very bad spending problem. The country cannot afford what the government runs on, what, what the federal budget is. The country cannot afford it. The, the expenditures in Washington far outpace the income going to Washington. Now, here's the thing. The Democratic solution is to raise taxes. You can't raise taxes enough to close it. That's the problem. You see, in a static world, you probably could. But we don't live in a static world. What happens when you raise taxes on the on the billionaires? Well, the billionaires hire accountants, and the accountants find loopholes. Look at what happened with corporations. We had the highest income tax rate on corporations in the world, outside of communist countries. And companies like Apple were keeping billions, hundreds of billions of dollars offshore. And they were taking out loans here. See, because under our convoluted tax laws, they could use the money offshore to pay off debt, but they couldn't repatriate the money into this country. They couldn't bring it back and put it into their bank account here. And so they created an entire elaborate accounting scheme overseas to get around it. Rich people would do the same thing. We cannot tax our way out of bankruptcy. We got to cut our way, cut our spending. A $1.5 trillion infrastructure program isn't going to do it. A $4.5 trillion budget isn't going to do it. Why are Republicans only concerned about cutting the size and scope of government when there's a Democrat in the White House? Put another way, a way Democrats will relish. Why are they only concerned about it when a black man's in the White House? They were willing to cut the budget and balance the budget with Bill Clinton. They wouldn't do it with Obama. Now, I say that flippantly because I see Democrats asking that, and it's nonsensical. It has nothing to do with the race of Barack Obama. It has everything to do with this party, and that Republicans should actually stand up all the time. There's a Democrat at the White House now. At least he's spinning like one. Republicans need to cut spending. Republicans are supposed to be the party of smaller government. They're supposed to be the party of getting government out of our way. The more they spend, the more they bust the budget caps, the more they indebt our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, the more they are not only empowering groups like nations like China, 
but the more they are empowering the federal government to grow even further, feeding the Leviathan. We need to tar- start starving to death the Leviathan in Washington, and yet none of them want to. Just applause to Mick Mulvaney for standing up and saying if he were in Congress, he would oppose this budget. Conservatives, you have your marching orders. Let me interrupt for a quick word here from our sponsors. I have never liked electric toothbrushes. Never. My wife has used one forever, and I've never liked them. And the reason I don't like them is twofold. One, the heads are so big, they're hard to get in the back of my mouth and brush. And two, I travel a lot, and if they happen to turn on in your bag, you got to carry your charger with you so you can recharge them. It just, it's a hassle. I would rather use a regular old toothbrush. Even some of the newer toothbrushes, though, their heads are getting big. They're trying to add all sorts of bells and whistles. It's just a toothbrush. Can I get an electric toothbrush that's just a toothbrush that gives me all the vibration benefits of one of the electric toothbrushes you get in the store, but without it being so big it can't fit in the back of my mouth? I finally found one, and it's Quip. Now, the thing here quip is a sponsor of the podcast and i was going to order them anyway i saw their ads on instagram and i thought I, this looks like i could actually get in and reach the back of my teeth uh, without it being awkward sure enough the cool thing about quip is it has pulses that alert you when to switch sides making brushing the right amount effortless after two minutes it turns off really easy to navigate getting top bottom back front based on the pulses that it generates And because the thing cleans your mouth should also be clean, they've got a subscription plan. It refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide, so you don't have to worry about refreshing your toothbrush. It comes to you with free shipping for $5 every three months. Now, Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. Now, to spell it out for you, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Get Quip today, folks. I've got one, and by the way, my wife, who has long used an electric toothbrush, she likes the Quip better. Started using it. Guess why? Fits in the back of her mouth with better ease and still gives her the great brushing. So go to getquip.com slash Eric today. It is 26 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go to the phones now. Bob, welcome. You're up first tonight. How are you? Doing great. Thanks, Eric. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks. Uh, my question to you is, how much trouble would the Democrats be in if a Republican-controlled Congress passes a path to citizenship for the Dreamers? Oh, I think they'd be in huge trouble, and that's one reason the Republicans I've talked to have wanted it. Uh, and they they make a persuasive. And listen, I, I realize that there are a lot of folks listening right now who are opposed to any path to citizenship for Dreamers, but the Republicans up there make a case that if you put the Dreamers on a path to citizenship you suddenly have wiped out the Democrats' advantage on the issue because you've taken away their photo op. Now the only people they've got to argue to give citizenship to are the the the, the people who sneak across the border knowingly and willfully breaking the law as opposed to the kids who were dragged here. Right. And then if they can get that border wall put up, now they've fixed the problem, plugged the hole, and it could be Republicans for generations to 
Yeah. And, you know, most of the parents of these dreamers, if you survey them, I mean, if, if you take the non-political surveys to Pew and others and survey them, they don't really want citizenship. They just want to stay here and keep working and send money home. They, they couldn't care less about citizenship. Um, the kids want it because they believe they're American, but the parents are like, eh, we're, we're just here to work and send money home. So you, you deprive the Democrats of so much and build the freaking wall finally. So, I hope they get it done. I hope so. Thank Bob, thanks question. very much. I, I talked, in fact, uh, yesterday to uh, Republican Senator uh, Langford from Oklahoma. He called me late last night, as a matter of fact, and we spent some time talking about the immigration issue. When we come back, the Republicans in the Senate are getting ready to lay groundwork on an immigration path forward on a plan, and I want to break that down for you as to what they think a viable path will be, if any, They're going to do something in the Senate they haven't done in a while. And y'all, can we talk about the Obama's portraits, the official portraits? Look, I'm willing to give artistic license to putting Barack Obama uh, in the weeds um, for multiple metaphorical reasons. But Michelle Obama should at least look like Michelle Obama's, shouldn't she? It's 40 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Y'all, I have secured the date. I have set it aside. I have made it a must-listen-to night of radio on the 20th. We're going to have Clay Tippins. Uh, we were able to get him rescheduled. I want to talk to him about human trafficking, which he's making as a big issue on his campaign, Uh, among other things. uh, Looking forward to chatting with him about his background, why a guy with his background would want to get involved in politics. Uh, If you want to come to the Clay Tippins Interview Live Lounge, text WSB to 345-345, and I will email you back the Eventbrite link where you can go RSVP. Now you need to know we are doing another interview that night. And I have made an executive decision uh, in order to make the candidate feel comfortable. We're going to let the candidate um, get some folks to be able to attend before we make it open to everyone. Uh, Because we have invited Stacey Abrams to come sit down and chat with me and do an an introductory interview here on WSB with me. Uh, But just like all the other candidates, who are you? What's your background? What sets you apart from everyone else? Why should people vote for you? And given that we are a conservative-leaning audience on a right-leaning news talk station, uh, to make her feel comfortable so that she understands this isn't going to be a hostile interview. It really is a probative interview and an intro- allow her to introduce herself to the audience. We've told her, look, we'll, we'll let you uh, send out the link uh, for to your supporters if they would like to come to the live lounge uh, before we open it to everyone else. We want to make everyone feel com- as comfortable as possible. Uh, If you've listened to any of my other interviews, you know they are not designed to be hostile interviews. These are designed to be introductory. Some of you have been very critical of me, I should note, uh, that I haven't been asking um, tough questions. And that was never the point of these. Just like when we did the 6th District race, I let every candidate come on and gave them a chance to explain who they are, 
why they were running, and uh, what set them apart from the crowd. They weren't combative. They weren't on deep into the weeds on issues. We have a little more time with these to go into the weeds a little bit on issues. But when the field narrowed for the 6th District and they came back, I did ask them tougher, more probative, uh, deeper questions. But it, it, I didn't think it was right. I didn't think it was fair in a crowded field to go immediately into combat with a candidate and asking tough uh, debate-oriented questions when nobody knew who the heck they were. And, and I feel the same way with these interviews. Um, I think and feel this way, that I should this first go around let the candidates have their opportunity uh, on their terms to introduce themselves to you all. And I'm glad we're going to have both Democrats as well, Stacey Evans and Stacey Abrams. And we're going to treat them as well as we've treated the others, asking them who they are, uh, why they're running, what their background is, uh, what they think about uh, the state's luring of Amazon, uh, the urban-rural divide and how to manage that in the state. All, all of these things, I just I want their views on things. Um, and we can probe deeper and, and be a little more combative in questions at a later date. It's just not appropriate uh, this forum, but it, we've lined up Clay Tippins as well. So we will have interviewed all of the Republican candidates. Um, we have had some people call in and ask, um, why we aren't interviewing other Republican candidates. Well, those are the five major candidates and, you know, you can put your name down on a ballot. You, you can go qualify. You can pay the couple thousand dollars and qualify, uh, that doesn't necessarily make you a credible candidate. Uh, if you're a credible candidate, you've got disclosures with substantial sums of money. You've got organizations at the county level. Uh, you're probably picking up and polling. And I mean, if you want to, if you want to disclose that you've got five hundred thousand dollars raised and you've got organizations in at least half the counties, uh, then I'm happy to consider you for an interview. But until you get to those benchmarks, I'm not going to consider you a credible candidate. Because we got 159 counties in Georgia. All of the credible candidates have organizations right now in three quarters of them. Um, some of the candidates, I think most of the candidates have organization in all of the counties in Georgia now. 159 counties and an organization that is each county has a point man who lives in that county helping them get votes in that county. That is a huge undertaking. As someone who's had to do that for candidates in the past in just congressional districts, it is a huge undertaking for just a congressional district to have the all 159 counties organized with people in each county who have vote totals that they're going to go out, they're going to find these votes for that candidate to make their ground game happen uh, and then to raise over a million dollars. Every single candidate who is running right now for governor has more than a million dollars cash in hand. Uh, so again, you can put your name on the ballot all you want, but if you don't have a million dollars in the game, you don't have organizations. You're not really a candidate for governor. It's just something to put on your obituary. Um, so I digress, but, uh, we will have Clay Tippins. If we have other major candidates get in who, uh, are organizing and raising money, I'm happy to consider them. Uh, and we want to have the Democrats in as well and make it as fair and even as possible for both sides. Okay. I talked to Senator Langford, uh, on immigration. It's coming up in the Senate this week. Here's all you need to know. 
the Senate is going to open up the process on immigration. Uh, one Democratic amendment for every Republican amendment that will allow them to get a deal that will get at least 60 votes. Uh, Senator Langford thinks that uh, you will see some negoti- negotiation on the 1.8 million Dreamers getting citizenship. But for the Republicans, it is a line in the sand uh, that there should be no more than um, those who were ready and eligible when Barack Obama announced the program, not those who then tried to flood the country after he announced the program. They want to disincentivize that. They would very much like to tie it to wall funding because they understand that you pass an immigration reform plan, you're going to have people trying to rush over with forged papers. So any immigration plan has to go along with securing the border uh, to get Republican votes. We'll see if you could then get Democratic votes. It is 55 after the hour. I just so happen to be Eric Erickson. Okay, I, I got to just talk briefly about the Obama's uh, portraits. Listen, he, the Barack Obama portrait, say what you will about him being in, in the leaves. I, there, I've already seen some jokes about him. It, it's appropriate given his high school marijuana usage or whatnot. I, I think that what the guy was going for was that this is was a president who was known for getting deep in the weeds on various policy initiatives. Whether you agreed with the president or not, it, it is a very accurate thing. Talk to anyone who ever dealt with him in the White House. He, he spent inordinate amounts of time getting into the weeds on things. Uh, very contemplative, probably more contemplative than he needed to be. And that's what the painter wanted to go with. Okay, no big deal, even if it is a bit of a weird-looking picture for an official portrait. But dear God almighty, uh, Michelle Obama's portrait, at least make it look like her. It doesn't look like Michelle Obama, who is a very lovely lady. It does not look like her. Yeah, yeah, get out, get out of your partisan mindset. Yes, she's she's a lovely lady. There's no reason for someone to do an official portrait of a first lady of the United States and have it not look like her. Very troubling. Uh, I have no idea. I I I don't get a lot of artists these days. I've been reading a, a book called Living at the Crossroads uh, about how Christian worldview intersects with modernity and postmodernity. And in art, just how bad it is. And as we've gotten into a postmodern society, we are separated from truth. My goodness, there you have it, completely devoid of reality in that painting. 